hello to all of our friends out in podcast land. It's great to be back with you. This is episode 34 of our bi-weekly series of the Saving Christianity podcast, the podcast that seeks a return to the peace, the healing, and the hope that the early Christians, when Christianity was founded, experienced. We're coming to you from Christian Family Online and bringing you a new episode every other Tuesday. I'm your host, John Shields. I'm here in the studio with our co-host, Owen Allen, our producer, Shannon Wolf, and today, a very special guest. Now, we apologize because we haven't recorded a new episode in several weeks, but uh, probably like your life, we've been traveling, had vacations and other obligations, but we're back together today, and we are excited to be back. Also, we've had requests for some personal interviews of Christians we know who are trying to live what we call their early Christian lifestyle. And we have such a person in the studio with us today, a dear friend to us that seated here with us. So the title of this episode is Tom's Story. Tom's Story. And unless I'm sadly mistaken, you're really going to enjoy this episode. So let's bring in our co-host, Owen Allen. And after that, let's introduce our very special guest. Welcome to episode 34, Owen. Well, thank you, John. And boy, it's good to be back, as you said. Uh, a hearty welcome to all of our loyal followers worldwide. I uh, hope you'll forgive us for being off for a couple of three weeks. That's wonderful to be back, especially after travel. But uh, let's get to the point, John. I'm really excited about starting uh, some interviews with people we know uh, who are trying to live like the early Christians lived. Yeah. And I'm excited that we We've yeah. got a dear friend here today. In fact, a lot of us call him Major Tom, <laughs> and the reason for that will become clear in a few moments. But uh, for my part, uh, welcome to the show, Tom. Yes, Tom, we're glad to have you here today in the studio with us. We welcome you here today. And as Owen uh, said, we want to jump right in. Tom, you and I have known each other long enough, and you've uh, heard me say this many times, that uh, one of the things that I love to do is when I meet people is to say to them, do you have a few minutes just <laughs> to tell me your story? Mm. And what's interesting about that is everybody has a story. Now, the people and the places and the different things happen in all of our lives, nevertheless, we all have a story. And so I know that the military has been a huge piece of your life story. And why don't you introduce us today, uh, kind of get us into that story of what God was doing even before you knew he was doing it in your life? Well, thank you for having me here, John. No, and I, I really appreciate this opportunity. Amen. Uh, you're right. The military has been a big part of my life. And, uh, I guess one of the things that I, I would say is people think I'm old, but I don't claim that. <laughs> but uh, I was born during World War II. Mm. So uh, that's significant is because I had uncles who, who flew uh, in World War II, and then I had another uncle in the Korean War. So I kind of grew up with that military around me. 
I and uh, as as a little boy, I I dreamed of being a military pilot someday, mm. but uh, realizing that I would never have that opportunity, I thought mm-hmm. so. Uh, kind of to get right into it. Uh, in the town I grew up in, uh, were steel mills, and it was expected we all would go to work in the mills after graduating from high school. And that's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I spent two years working in the steel mills and realized there had to be something better in life. So I enlisted in the military. And soon I found myself a young buck sergeant in the infantry with a with the war heating up in a place called Vietnam. Mm. And so I expected I was going there uh, and be a point man in a, in a platoon somewhere. And uh, along came an opportunity to go to officer's candidate school. And then after that, an opportunity to go to flight school. Wow. And I found my childhood dream mm. a reality. Uh, the Lord had worked it out where I became a helicopter pilot and uh, – Ended up doing that for two years in Vietnam. Hmm. Uh, that's kind of the highlights of how my military career started, and it's been fascinating for uh, over 20 years after that, uh, the way things worked into my life, even though I did not know the Lord at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Tom, let me break in a second. That is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Tell me this. Uh, were you raised in a Christian home or have any Christian influence at all? I, I was not raised in a Christian home. Mm. Um, I truly wish I had been to have those influences in my life. Yeah. Uh, my mother and father were both very good to me, but uh, they did not open up the, the realities of a relationship with uh-huh. God. I got some inklings of it uh, over the years, but uh, dominantly I was raised in a Catholic community and a Catholic background, mm. which uh, really didn't open my eyes up to to who Christ was and, and all that he would do in a person's life. Wow. Tom, something that I think is interesting that our listeners may not know, I know I didn't know it until you told me, and I don't think you knew it at the time, <laughs> of the mortality rate of a helicopter pilot in Vietnam? Well, this will scare people, but the life expectancy of a helicopter pilot in Vietnam was 16 minutes. Wow. Mm. Not hours, days, or weeks, minutes. And uh, so, Tom, hey, that's our first miracle that you're here at all. Exactly. Yes, it is. We we lost approximately 2,200 helicopter pilots in the Vietnam War. Mercy. And and yet here you sit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, if I understand it correctly, Tom, you actually didn't become a Christian until after uh, all of these things that happened in Vietnam. Is that true? That's absolutely true. Mm. Uh, I I flew combat missions for two years uh, in Vietnam, and I was back home about uh, 14 months when I came to know the Savior. Mm. Well, but listen to this, Tom. The old saying, there are no atheists in the foxholes. I would assume there were <laughs> none as helicopter pilots, too. Uh, did you see, were any of the pilots Christians, and did you ever think about religion as you flew into into combat? Mm-hmm. Uh, quite honestly, no. Wow. Uh, we, we spent 14 to 16 hours a day in the cockpit seven days a week. Oh, my. And, and so you really 
didn't have a lot of time, particularly in my unit, because we we flew what we called single ship missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, one aircraft launched out to do a sign, an assigned job, and you were on your own whenever you got in trouble or not. So uh, we we didn't build that camaraderie to really mm-hmm. uh, know each other that well. Mm-hmm. And the old theory used to be anyway, don't get close to your buddies because it hurts too much when they don't come home. Yeah, exactly. That's what we were always taught. Yeah. Well, that's that's true. I I can remember having to clean out the uh, the hooch areas of guys oh that that didn't make it. You'd you'd come back after a long day of flying, and uh, your commander would say, "Go clean out so and so's things, pack them up to send them home." Mm. And you knew uh, why. Extremely sobering. So, Tom, in the midst of all of that, you come home. You're still in the military, and and uh, uh, an event happened in your life that um, eventually would would lead you to Christ. Uh, yes, John. That that's exactly right. Uh, to to quickly to quickly background that. Uh, I was highly decorated in Vietnam. Uh, I was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross for Heroism, three Bronze Stars, a multitude of other decorations. I was actually decorated 29 times during the war. Mm. And uh, so I was kind of looked at as a cream of the crop young officer. And when I came back, I was given one of the best assignments a, a young captain could be given. And... Uh, on the outside, everything looked great, but on the inside, I was coming apart. Mm. Uh, just the hole inside of me, I used to tell people, big enough to fly one of those helicopters through. Mm. But uh, a young soldier in my unit, uh, he saw something, and he walked up to me one day, and he pulled out one of those little military pocket testaments, and yeah. he, he popped me in the chest with it and said, Sir, you need this. Ouch. Now, he was a young enlisted man, and I was his commanding officer, and uh, we both broke regulations. Hmm. He, by approaching me that way and me by inviting him over to my home a couple nights later, where he and another fellow came, and we poured through the Scriptures for the first time in my life. Wow. Wow. So that's a, that's a, a miracle, that uh, how God used this young man to really start the conversation about salvation. And it really it became a supernatural um, event. It, it really did. Um, I had never opened a Bible before in my life. <laughs> I had no idea what, what to expect. But as we went through the Scriptures, we came to Isaiah 57, 20, 21, and it says, but the wicked are like the the tossing sea whose waters toss up mire and dirt. Mm. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. And I believe that was the first miracle I saw mm. because I looked down on that page and I saw my name, literally saw my name over that verse. Wow. And uh, Hallelujah. And as I was as I was being led to Christ. Something else very interesting happened. Uh, the end of it, there was two men there. The individual speaking stopped me. I was I was ready to ask Christ into my life, and he he said, "I've never done this before, mm. 
But I have to tell you, if you make this decision, it's going to cost you your life. Hmm. And we we had to stop for a while and talk through that because I'm saying, wait a minute. I'm thinking military guy in <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> I know what a costing your life is. Yeah. But he was talking about my not not my physical life. He was talking about mm-hmm. the way I was living my life mm-hmm. was going to be gone, yeah. and, and that that my life would belong to the Lord. Mm. And many years later, he was very right on that. Mm. I'm all I'm every time I hear when I think about my own story, when I hear yeah. other people's That's story, right. I think about the. The, the majestic God of the universe who uh, pauses and comes to us as individuals in situations and circumstances just like you're talking about and reveals himself. He revealed himself to you through those that verse in Scripture. And the whole course of your life from that night to this day, was changed. And it started immediately. Military guy with no spiritual background. Uh, I used to tell people I could cuss as good as any two drunk sailors you could find. Whoa. And I could. But about two days after I asked Christ in my life, (laughs) I realized not a foul word had passed my lips. I love it. I love it. The Lord Lord took that away instantly. Glory. Hallelujah. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, and let me throw something in. I think this is important yes. uh, here, Tom. Um, I've heard probably a couple of hundred testimonies in my life, like we're doing right now, maybe more. I, I never thought about the number, but it's interesting. And John, you've probably noticed this. They follow a pattern. Mm-hmm. There are certain steps and certain experiences that always follow that same pattern. And I had a strange experience one time. I had a pastor in the car with me, and we went to a home, and there were about 15 or 18 people in there who wanted to give their testimonies. So I knew them, but this man did not. This pastor did not. So to make a long story short, as Tom says, we heard the testimonies. We we thanked everybody, left the home. We were driving away. And he looked at me with a strange, puzzled look on his face, and he said, did you notice something strange? And I said, no. What was it? Mm-hmm. He said, all of those testimonies were exactly the same. He said all the people said they, you know, they had a crisis, they Mm -hmm, were broken, mm -hmm. they had yada, yada, then something happened, and now everything was better. They don't curse anymore, they Mm -hmm. don't drink anymore, blah, 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 blah. And I thought that was so odd that he thought it was strange that God deals with us all the same way. (laughs) And he was an ordained pastor. Right. But, you know, Tom, I've heard it, uh, rumors that, while you were in Vietnam, you had some miracles that you didn't even know were miracles, other than the fact that you lasted longer than 16 minutes, <laughs> at which, by the way, I'm glad you did. Yeah, yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, if it's not too personal, you might share with us a couple of the most interesting things that happened uh, in Vietnam. Well, I have a, a number of stories I could share, and uh, but one in specific, uh, stands out in my mind. It, it, it was the night I was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross for that action. 
uh, an aircraft had gone down and uh, we we got called on an emergency to to get out there and see if we could uh, get the crew out and uh, there was what they called a LERP, a long range reconnaissance team out yeah. there with them. Unfortunately, they had been inserted in into a tree line earlier that afternoon and the tree line was occupied by a battalion of Viet Cong. Mm. So you had roughly three men in the Viet Cong battalion with 12, 12 of our soldiers on the ground. Wow. And uh, we went out there and we, we, uh, we tried to get in. Uh, there was three helicopters that went out there. The first two got shot down and I was flying third and, uh, we managed to get in, and, and we got everybody on board, the other crews, the men, including the dead. We, we don't leave our bodies on the battleground, mm-hmm. if at all possible. And all possible. And anyway, we, we were so overloaded, I had to disengage the governor on the engine. And uh, we flew out of there at 125% of the max rating on that turbine engine. <laughs> And uh, the rotor blades were actually coning up. We had 20, 20 or 21 people on board an aircraft designed to carry 11. Mm. And so uh, we were all coming out or we were all going to die there, one of the two. And by God's grace, we came out. Mm. We flew to the hospital for the wounded. And uh, the next morning when we had daylight, we went out and looked at the aircraft. And it had so much damage to it that they it was cheaper to replace it with a new one than to repair it. Wow. And they just moved it to the scrap pile. Goodness. And so when I hear things like that, um, I just see the sovereign hand of God, mm-hmm. his purpose and his plan for your life was for you to survive that. And uh, I'm, it just makes the hair on my head yeah. stand up yeah. uh, thinking about that, Tom. Does mine even to this day? Uh, just recalling that story uh, is—it's an emotional, sure thing yeah. today, and it's fifty-four years later. Wow! Yeah, fifty-four years. Well, that would be true, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Ah. That's amazing, Tom. Looking back on my life, as we think here a second, I—I uh, I came of age between Korea and Vietnam. I joined the Marines in 1955 and then got out uh, in the the early 60s. So I missed uh, both of those horrible conditions. But I knew many friends, of course, were regulars that we called them who had stayed in. Uh, I was a reservist for 10 years, and uh, I've had many of these conversations around tables. (laughs) and But it's... uh, it, isn't it interesting, Tom, that some are spared and so many are not? Mm-hmm. And you just wonder why, don't you? That, that's been a difficult question for me because, mm-hmm. because I've thought that over, over people that I know. And uh, I've had a number of people tell me, as you just spoke of, Owen, that uh, you, know, you, you missed the wars. And, and I would tell you, you didn't miss a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it just uh, it, it's a horrible experience, yet it's a necessary uh, 
mm-hmm. thing in the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In every world down through history, starting yeah. with Cain and Abel. <laughs> yeah. So, Tom, I, I just see that here you are from upstate New York. You thought you were going to be in a steel mill your whole <laughs> life. God first really intervention into that redirected you into the military. Uh, it made a huge imprint in your life. How could it not? You spent so many years there. And by the way, I haven't said this. We collectively want to thank you for your service yes. uh, to our country. Amen. Thank you. But in the midst of that, uh, this young man comes to you, slaps a Bible on your chest. <laughs> and and uh, we have a little saying around here that you're familiar with, but God. Mm-hmm. And God, there he is. He changes the trajectory of your life. And something that was um, uh, vital in those early days of your Christian life, I've heard you speak of it, is you were thrown into, if you will, the navigators uh, of studying the Scriptures, and God's Word just became uh, life to you. Um, you you hit it right on the head, John. Uh, for, a, for a fellow who had absolutely no knowledge of the Scriptures at all, <laughs> The navigators were the place to be. Hmm. Uh, that very first weekend, I was off with a group of guys, and uh, they were reading their Bible, so I said, I better start reading the Bible. <laughs> they were memorizing Scripture. I guess I better start memorizing yeah. Scripture. They were telling people about a relationship with Christ. I said, well, I guess I better start telling people about a relationship yeah, with Christ. I love it. Yeah. And it, it sounds so surface just to say that, but those were the the roots of being birthed mm-hmm. in Christ, that that you would grow in the Word. Uh, uh, scripture says, like newborn babes, desire yeah. the sweet milk of the Word, that mm-hmm. by it you may grow with respect to salvation. Yeah. I, and God's whole intent for each one of us is that we would grow in yeah. our relationship with Him. Uh, I, I love what Jesus said. Uh, he said, and this is eternal life, mm-hmm. that you know Him who sent me. Yeah. And so it's about knowing God in a relationship. It's 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 not for when you die, although when you die you do have an eternal life, <laughs> but it's for knowing the heavenly Father who loves you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, I want to I want to just uh, drill down a little even more specific here. So you've come to Christ, you've you're in the word now, you're studying it, understanding it. And so where did or when did maybe just an awareness of uh, dependence upon the Holy Spirit uh, in your life? If we started today talking about, as we do every episode, about how the early Christians, uh, re- they had peace and healing and hope, and and the Holy Spirit brought that to their lives as they were, were seeking him. Tell us about how how that transpired in your life, because um, I know that it did. Well, there there's several things that that enter into that. Uh, in 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 the days and weeks following becoming a, a Christ follower, uh, a, a genuine peace just over overcame me. Actually, it overwhelmed me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because up to that point of asking Christ into my life, my, my insides were in all kinds of turmoil. I just, I was hollow and empty on the inside. Mm-hmm. I, and 
there was there was just nothing there. I I looked great on the outside, chest full of medals, great job in the military, but inside, I, I was shot. And so, in those early days, a peace came over me. Mm. Uh, I started growing, and I started learning some of the promises that uh, that God was giving me from his word and that they were personal they were for me mm-hmm. I, and so i started being enriched in those and started having relationships with with other uh men who had similar interests and mm-hmm. uh and so it started transforming my life probably the biggest point though was about 14 months after i'd become a believer i was at a a big weekend conference. There was about 350 people there, and 30 of us were invited to a special meeting with the, uh, the guest speaker for that weekend. He was a dynamic guy, uh, military, marine, jet pilot, but uh, he was so dynamic and charismatic, and and he started speaking to us, and we just became all excited, and we're hooping and hollering and having a having a great time and, and and all about about the things we were doing in the Christian life, learning and and helping other men come to know Christ and everything. And he, he asked an excited question, how many of you want to be here 10 years from now doing these things? Mm. <laughs> uh, and everybody hooped and hollered and said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. And the man turned as ice cold as any man I've ever known. And he said, how many of you will be here 10 years from now? There was silence in that room as, wow. o- as only two men out of those 30 raised their hands. Mm. I was not one of the two. Yeah. And that's when I clearly heard the audible voice in my head of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had to make a decision right then. And I told the Lord that I would walk with him no matter what for the rest of my life. Wow. And mm. uh, there's been some pretty rough no matter what's that have come in my life. And there's been times I've been tired enough to say I want to quit. Right. Mm-hmm. But but God just keeps drawing me to himself. <laughs> I, there there's no way I can there's no way I can quit. Yeah. Yeah. And so those those were the great experiences. And then on he he allowed me to have a military career in in impossible ways. I should not have been able to complete a career because I didn't have the education. But he provided it for me for the next, <laughs> uh, I guess, thirteen or years or so. What'd you do? Retire at twenty, Tom? Uh, mm-hmm. A bit over twenty, almost mm-hmm. twenty-one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sounds like you were counting the days. <laughs> no, if if I could have, I would have stayed till thirty. Uh, but uh, things things transpired in my life. First off, I did not have a college degree. And so I spent 14 years at night school getting an undergraduate degree. Mm. When I finally got that, uh, shortly after that, I was promoted to major, which was a real surprise, again, for not having the education. They wanted me to get a, uh, a master's degree and complete command and general staff college. Mm-hmm. But I was on an assignment in Europe that kept me out in the field totally half of my three years there and uh so there just wasn't wasn't a way to do it and so i told the army i wasn't going to do it and they told me that's fine we're not going to promote you Mm. 
Okay. So, and in the midst of this, I ought to fill in too. I'm raising four children and, (laughs) you know, the other. Life happens. Life happens (laughs) things. Right. So, uh, things traveled along and uh, I came up for promotion to lieutenant colonel and I was passed over for promotion, which I expected because I had made those choices. And so, second promotion board met, and you're allowed. You're allowed on, after your second Passover. Uh, you have to get out of the service within six months of the date you're notified, uh, unless you have 18 years service. So I got passed over the second time. We calculated my date, and I had 17 years, 11 months, and 23 days <laughs> in service. I was seven days short of being allowed to stay to retire. Well, I just went back to work doing my job. My boss, he was crying when he told me I was, <laughs> that you know I was going to be put out, and uh, and other other people. Uh, um, I, I had a general ask me, "I don't understand you. Why are you mm-hmm. still doing your job so well? You know when mm-hmm. you're when you're being booted out." Well, I had a chance to tell that man, General, mm-hmm. about Jesus Christ. Amen. We were out in a tent in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't make a decision that night, but about three weeks later, his wife and my wife were at, at a meeting, and his wife told my wife everything I told him out in the tent. <laughs> wow. So he heard. Yeah. But... Anyway, to kind of wrap this this story up, because it was so significant, the hand of God moving. Yes. Uh, I'd been passed over about four months into those six months that I had before I had to be out. I got a letter from Washington, <laughs> and uh, it was from the Office of Personnel Management, and they offered me something called selective continuation, hmm. which they can do, but it requires by name congressional approval. And they only offered it to two officers that year. What's really amazing is I did not apply for it. Wow. <laughs> but I was one of the two that was selected to get receive selective continuation, which allowed me to stay in service up to mm-hmm. 20 years. But I was working on a project for, for another general, and he wasn't letting me out until the project was, was done. So. <laughs> yeah. That that gave me about six months more. So, yeah. Tom, I think about that is is that God is such a good God, and that He is always working in our life. He's not static. He's dynamic. He is always working in unseen ways, in seen ways, uh, behind the scenes, out in front. You name it. And it's it's just mind-boggling, really, to think about that, that God sees the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning, and uh, he, is, the yeah, and he is at work in our lives. I take great comfort in that. Uh, you know, John, there's that wonderful verse that Paul wrote that yeah. – that uh, God had good deeds for us to do yeah, before yeah. we were born. Right. And he wants us to do it. Yeah, yeah. And the problem is we don't know what those are, you know, except right. they unfold as our life unfolds. Right. So it'd be interesting with Tom here to know had he stayed in, mm. 
uh, and done everything that they wanted to do and yada, yada, how his life would be different today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's interesting. It's so, so interesting. Well, Tom, um, again, uh, what we talk about so much uh, in our book, Saving Christianity, and in this podcast by the same name, uh, we talk about the miraculous way that the early Christians lived uh, in those first three centuries of Christian history before the Roman emperors changed Christianity in the fourth century. And so those first three centuries, about eight or nine generations of the first Christians, were miraculous. Paul called it walking in the Spirit. There are many other terms for it throughout the Scripture, walking in the light. Mm. Uh, so many beautiful terms. My question is, you had these wonderful miracles in combat in Vietnam. Uh, then once you got out and, and became a civilian, uh, did the miraculous part of your life end? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. My, my wife may disagree with you on me becoming a civilian. <laughs> Because uh, my heart was in the military, but see, that's what the Lord Lord said. He's going to give us the desires of our heart. Yeah. And mm -hmm. as a little boy, my desire was to be a military pilot, mm -hmm. never thinking I could do it. Yet, yeah. he gave it to me. Mm -hmm. He made a way. And, and so he has blessed my life in, in miraculous ways. Uh, just being able to complete a career was miraculous. Mm -hmm. um, he He really led me into some some wonderful miracle experiences. Um, I left Vietnam in, in 72 and retired out of the service in 86. And, and the Lord kind of let things dormant in, in some ways uh, in that area of my life uh, until in 2009, uh, a fellow who heads up a, a ministry asked me if I would consider going back to Vietnam with him. Mm. Now, my thought was, mm. that's the last place I ever want to go back to. Mm -hmm. And uh, But uh, this man worked dominantly in communist countries. Uh, I've been with him in Vietnam and Laos, uh, uh, works in Cuba, uh, Ukraine, uh, places like that. And uh, anyway, in 2010, I did go back to Vietnam with him. Mm. And... Uh, that opened up some of the miracles. Uh, we landed in Hanoi, which was a very deja vu minute for me. Uh, you know, it was the capital of my en of my enemy. But in the months in preparing, I, I was in turmoil about going to Vietnam until I was just reading in the Bible one day. I, I happened to read the twenty third Psalm where it says, "I have set a table for you in the presence of thine enemies." Mm. I and Instantly, that peace we talked about yeah. came over me. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up back in Vietnam, up in old, the old North Vietnam. And uh, we flew 30-some hours to get there and had about three hours of rest, and we were up doing what we were doing. We, we helped disciple and raise up church leaders. And uh, so there was a small house church uh, meeting over in the city of Haiphong, which was the most bombed city in the war and uh we went over there to speak to these people now we had to make sure that 
uh, we avoided the police and, and other things like that, but uh, because Christianity is illegal there. Hmm. But uh, we get there, and uh, this fellow named Henry is speaking, and uh, he's celebrating his 50th year in the pulpit, and Henry could wax eloquent. And, and I'm, I'm a layman, and uh, the director of the ministry said, Tom, you follow Henry. <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, great. Hmm. So there I am. Henry's speaking, and if you don't speak for at least an hour, the Vietnamese will tell you you've shortchanged them. Mm-hmm. So uh, Henry's speaking, and Holy Spirit speaks to me. He says, Tom, mm-hmm. tell him about, about God's love. And this little imaginary conversation between me and the Holy Spirit's mm-hmm. going on. And I said, well, I didn't prepare a message on God's love. The Holy Spirit says, I didn't care. I don't care whether you prepared a message. Tell them about God's love. So we go back and forth a little bit, you know, in my mind and all. And uh, so I'm scribbling all the notes I can and looking in my concordance, trying to put together something coherent about God's love. And uh, Henry finishes. I have some notes that made some halfway sense. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm starting to rise up out of my chair because you don't take a break or anything. It's one right to the next. And uh, the director of the ministry says, oh, Tom, tell them about your time here during the war. Mm-hmm. And so the very first words I spoke to the, to the people were, 40 years ago, my country sent me over here to fight and kill the Vietnamese people. And you could feel the whole room back up emotionally. Yeah. Mm. But then I, then I followed this, and these are exact quotes. I said, but today my God has sent me here to love and be loved by the Vietnamese people. Mm. And and I went into my message. As I spoke, there was one man sitting in the front row. Uh, tears started going down his cheeks. <laughs> and his front of his shirt started getting damp. Before I finished, the man was wailing. Mm. And all this time I'm trying to figure out what's going on with him. Well, I got a chance to talk to him through an interpreter afterwards and he had uh, he he had been a north vietnamese soldier had fought against the americans mm. and his government had taught him to hate americans yeah and he had become a baptist uh, pastor and for 40 years he carried a burden of hatred with him mm. and and the message that the holy spirit Mm-hmm. Asked me to give broke forty years of bondage in that wow. man's heart. Yeah, Incredible. that was a yeah. miracle. Yeah, it also be. told me I knew I needed to be in Vietnam, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I continued in that ministry there. In that ministry over there, I've seen the lame walk. I've seen mm-hmm. the blind receive sight. Yeah, I, 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 I've seen people completely cured of cancer, stage four cancer. Overnight, the doctors could not find anything the next day. <laughs> uh, heart heart failure. I'm aware I did not personally witness this, but I very much trust the people who who have told me this, that there was a young woman who was raised from the dead. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so those type of miracles yeah. uh, become part of our life. Uh, we're seeing miracles here today in, in, in our small group that uh, we've had a focus on healing for about two years now, and, and we've seen healings take place in that group. Mm. 
and so you know miracles are very much a reality they're very much a part of the normal christian life yeah yeah and you know tom if i could jump in right there john and i've talked about this ten thousand times probably (laughs) but i think one of the most horrible tragic things that's ever occurred uh, is that so many christians today are taught by their pastors, by their Sunday school teachers, that miracles ended in the Mm -hmm. close of the first century. Uh, I was taught that when the last of the original apostles, disciples, who, of course, was John, was in his 90s at the time, when he died in Ephesus around 98, 99 uh, uh, A.D., all miracles ended. Well, number one, you think, well, wait a minute, why would that be so? The the Bible doesn't say that. That's not even logical. Mm -hmm. And yet everybody teaches it. I was taught it, and I didn't realize until my 30s uh, that miracles did still happen today. Mm -hmm. And we see them, uh, frankly, weekly, if not daily, Mm -hmm. uh, among our circle of Christian friends. And so... I don't know if you were ever taught that. I guess you weren't since you didn't have any Bible teaching, but I praise God that you weren't. <laughs> well, that that turned out to be a blessing mm-hmm. uh, because <laughs> ba- basically to... I took Bible for dummies right? and, yeah. and just started. I, I read through the Bible from, from Genesis to Revelation and pretty much didn't understand what I read. Mm-hmm. So I did it a second time and a third time. <laughs> And along yeah. the way, things started making sense. Yeah, but it also started giving me the roots in the scripture that I needed. There, there's two things I think that are very important here. The Word of God is truth. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is truth. Yes. I, and without truth in a person's life, uh, you're you're open for every deception imaginable. Mm-hmm. So, so we have to have a truth to look to, and and in truth. Scripture is very clear that that Christians will heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are parts of the normal Christian life. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, I, I tell people in this. Now I'm not a theologian, but you know what I think. I come and look at this and say, God is a supernatural being. Mm-hmm. Why should I not expect him to act supernaturally? <laughs> That's who he is. I just yeah, I, ex- I, love I expect yes. God to be God, right? Yeah. I, and and I I approach my Christian life that way. And back to what you said just a moment ago, on nowhere in the scriptures right. is there any indication that God has stopped miracles. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they used to. I've heard. I've been taught and told just to close that out, Tom. That uh, that uh, the reason miracles died was that once the Christianity was established and had proved to the world that they were there, that they were real, uh, that they were supernatural, that that didn't uh, that never had to be proved again. Mm-hmm. In my view, it's more necessary today than it was in the first century. <laughs> yeah. So again, all of that's uh, thrown into a cocked hat. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, John, I'm I'm looking at the the big clock on the wall here and thinking that um, I, uh, um, frankly, this is one of our 
our episodes I hate to cut off. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, frankly, I think we should have Major Tom back sometime yeah, and have a, a Tom story number two mm-hmm. <laughs> and go deeper into some of these incredible stories and his experiences in Vietnam. But I don't know. Uh, it's it looks like it's time to wrap it up for part one here. So uh, we really appreciate you, Major Tom. We love you. Yes. And uh, I'm going to hand off to John now. Yes. Unfortunately, Owen, it is uh, that time to bring it to a close. And thank you, Tom. We really appreciate you sharing your story today and uh, how God has intersected in your story uh, time and time again. Well, friends, this is episode 34, and uh, remember, a script and a recording of it is at our website. That's goscpod.com. That's G-O-S-C-P-O-D.com. And it's important to review the recordings and transcripts of these episodes, and especially the one for this episode. Right, right, John. I, I think that's totally true. In fact, I'm going to listen to this two or three times myself. Mm. This has been a fascinating, wonderful show, John. Yes. And uh, I know we're all praying now that this episode called Tom's Story, mm-hmm. uh, when it goes out uh, to our international followers, uh, that it'll inspire them, encourage them, uplift them yes. worldwide. And I'm just uh, praying for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, God bless you, Major Tom, for coming. We hope to see you back soon. But until then. This is Owen Allen and John Shields, along with our producer, Shannon Wolf. And all of us are saying together, may the God of our fathers bless you and keep Keep you you. and guide you and protect you until we meet again.